Always do it on my own, so I gotta get through it And the only thing I know is to love what I'm doing Never give up, never slow, till I finally prove it Never listen to the no's He who controls the past controls the future He who controls the present controls the past Luckily, we don't have too many videos going on today. Um, but hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to Nobody's News. Uh, I am your host, Alex. Uh, you are all familiar with my brother, Zach. But today we have another guest, uh, our first guest of 2024, um, former political prisoner, uh, current white supremacist, question mark, uh, John Kinsman. How are you doing, brother? How are you doing? Good afternoon. Pretty good. Um, so we're going to... Today, we're just going to do a regular show because we got a lot to talk about. But at some point, we want to tell your full story. But just can you give us a quick little like, who are you? Just so that people know. Uh, well, OK, uh, I am um inspector. I work construction and uh, I was normally just a regular schlub. But what happened was, was in 2018, I got into a fight with Antifa and I did not start the fight. However, me and my friends won the fight against multiple Antifa. At what point we made national, international news. And uh, I was fully demonized and my reputation destroyed. And so now here I am uh, recovering after serving a four-year prison bid. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and uh, I have to say that Alex was a big help writing me letters and sending me books. And I appreciate those things. And uh, I kept in touch with him since. And so now that I've kept in touch with him after my release, he wanted to uh, have me as a guest on the show. And of course, and I said, of course, yes. Yeah. Well, we're doing kind of a Tim Pool thing today. Um, I want to, like I said, have you on the guest because you have an incredible story. In my opinion, that's why I started writing you because I'm like, you're we probably disagree on some things and we certainly do, but I was like, this is literally, this was before the January 6th stuff. I was like, this guy is a political prisoner in every sense of the word. Like the fact that Antifa told the cop, what do they tell the cops? Fuck you pigs or something like they didn't even press charges. It was yeah. as politically motivated as you can get. Yeah. I mean, look, they, we got into the fight and I'll give Antifa credit for one thing is that they did what I probably would do if I started a fight and got my ass whooped and the guy walked away. And then the police came up and like, I'm not pressing charges. They didn't open their mouth. Now they did say, fuck you. We don't cooperate with pigs. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> kind of telling right there. But what happened was the video just went viral, you know, and then next thing you know, the governor's tweeting about me. Then the mayor started tweeting about me, and then the district attorney started tweeting about me. And uh, I actually had a, a friend at the time. I guess he's still my friend, but he was a cop. And he was telling me, he was like, just lay low, just lay low. And all of a sudden he said, no, this this isn't going away, bud. <laughs> they're, they're, they're on you. They're going to find you. Yeah, I'm like, all right, well, turn myself in, you know. Yeah. And then thought I, I was honestly, I followed the the case. I couldn't believe that you guys got a prison sentence. It was, 
And I, I even during the course of it, I thought, surely you guys are going to get, uh, you know, it's going to get dismissed or you're going to have an appeal and just nothing. They they screwed you all the way from beginning to end. <laughs> well, the thing is, is like what I really thought was going to be the game changer and would secure me a win was the fact that they did not have any victims. So I served a four-year prison bid for attempted gang assault on J.D. Spiky Belt and J.D. Shaved Head. They don't even know who I beat up. No one, no victims testified against me. The only reason they were able to identify me was because going into the uh, speaking event, they had me on uh, camera specifically saying, John Kinsman, party of one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know they're, so right, against the, the whole thing is you're supposed to be able to face your accuser. Yeah. <laughs> that's like one of the fundamental parts of our justice system. So really that, that was the one that made me a uh, precedent and the people of New York were so thirsty to get a conviction. They really threw away one of their rights. So now where if they want to get you for gang assault, they don't even need, or any assault, they don't even need any evidence of injury. They don't need anybody to actually uh, be a victim. Yeah. Well, it frustrated me that Republicans didn't pick up the story as much. Like they should have been talking about it every day because we can see by you brought up precedent by them ignoring that. Now we have Daniel Penny in New York getting absolutely yeah. railroaded by the justice system. We have the January six people like it really it was a pivotal moment that no one was paying attention to that has set a precedent for, oh, we can just do whatever we want for political reasons. Even you look at Trump could be like you could say that in some ways. What happened to you inspired them to like, well, we're not going to get any pushback. Why not just go after the man himself, Trump? That's one way to look at it. I mean, look, I was demonized to me. They kept calling me racist over and over and over and over. I mean, to my credit, there was a lot of black people who I know personally that were all over the Internet saying, no, I know this man. He's not a fucking racist. I got my black wife, my whole black family. I got black neighbors and black uh, co-workers. And all these people will defend me and say that I'm not racist. Um, but it, it's kind of like, think of it like this. Uh, I, I was demonized. And so everyone just believed I was racist. So I was treated like just like the Republican uh, dark side, like just to be ignored by the Republican side. So they're like, oh, write him off. It's over for him. Just don't even talk about him. Hope everyone forgets about him. But, um, you know, uh, it's like this. Imagine, you know, one thing everyone thinks that is sacred is our right to a fair and speedy trial, right? It's one of the things and that separates us from the rest of the world. Out a book and you pull out some guy who's accused of raping 20 kids and killing them. Of course, he's a horrible person and everyone wishes the worst on him. So it's a lot easier when they say, well, why even have a trial for this guy? <laughs> yeah. And then everyone's just going to say, yeah, fuck him. He's a piece of shit. You know, throw them away, throw them in the, throw them in prison, lock away, lock, lock them up, throw away the key, and you did it all without even bothering for a fair trial. But then, when you actually have someone, you know, the next trial, they say, "Well, we already have a precedent for that. We don't need a trial. We've already have a precedent for that. We've proven that we can do it." So they use these boogeymen to or, or demons to strip away rights, and everyone's on board until you realize that that right was stripped away from you. Yeah, there's such a slippery slope. And this is what um, terrifies me about, I, I wish that people on the right 
would care more about stuff like this because, and you know, I, we criticize the right a lot, but we're on the right. Um, but it's, people don't realize things that sound good. They take like the, um, I, I can't remember the name of the bill for TikTok wanting to, to ban TikTok or take the, the bill of, um, Oh, what am I thinking of? Not, not the TikTok one, but, uh, wanting to, to put into place, Nikki Haley was talking about cognitive tests for president. And everyone's like, yeah, get Joe Biden that What people don't realize is down the line, any power you give the government will get turned back on you. Yeah. I mean, she says that and everyone thinks it's going to be exciting to use that to get, uh, Joe Biden out. But then when they want to stop Trump and uh, they just pay some fucking shrink a million dollars there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? you know, they'll do the the yeah. Carrie Lake story recently. Um, I just saw today that that chairman that bribed her stepped down. And for people that we'll talk yeah. about that probably tomorrow. But there's absolutely it's like House of Cards. There is they absolutely will bribe to get their way. And if they do it to like Carrie Lake, you know, the a, a shrink pay, like you said, pay him a million dollars, probably less 500 grand. Give him a nice little cushy cabinet position. He'll absolutely say that Trump's, you know, not mentally competent, but of course. But that was exciting with uh, Kerry Lake. I was actually pretty shocked with how that turned out. After that recording was posted, he didn't Mm -hmm. deny anything. (laughs) His whole thing was like, I'm going to get killed if you air this. He didn't try to deny it. He's just like, you've killed me. (laughs) (laughs) I have trouble. I think that that's bad. I think it's not great that that's going on in our government, but I have trouble feeling bad for for that piece of shit. You know what I mean? Like, I know it's wrong that he would be killed, but I'm also kind of like, you've made your bed lie in it. I mean, you, now now comes the next question. Like, who are these people in East? Who, who is the ones backing them financially? We want names, but we're probably not going to get it. It's along the same lines. It's like the Epstein uh, client list. Though maybe, maybe we'll get a token a person, someone that everyone kind of already suspects that's low on the totem pole. It'll be yeah. Ron McDaniel or someone because she's already on her way out and people are mad at her. It's never, people get too excited whenever we get these little victories. I saw everybody when that recent, defamation case for the epstein epstein documents came out and everyone's like the list is being released and i'm like no it's not (laughs) it's this is a defamation case like anybody could be named in there we do not be satisfied we have not gotten the the epstein client list but it's i i honestly i get kind of blackpilled because i'm like i don't know if we'll ever get to know who these i always look at it like the the people that we see are the volcanoes like the the obviously corrupt people the soroses and stuff like that i think that there's a lot of people underneath that are like the tectonic plates that kind of form the volcanoes and we can tell like with covid and stuff big power moves are being made but it's like we can't actually see because it's under the surface too far and that's i wish somehow we could maybe trump will get in and really do what he says about getting the deep state and we can Maybe he'll release the the Epstein client list if we could see who some of these foundational people are to this truly evil like movement. Like it's almost, um, you know, I'm not religious, but it really is almost like there's just an evil force moving against good forces in this world. World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I definitely believe that we are in a spiritual war, but um, of course it'd be great if Trump gets reelected. But if people really want the good guys, you know, to win this. Uh, we're going to have to win elections up and down. We're going to have to win a lot more mayors, uh, a lot more governors, you know, a lot more of your local teachers, DAs, you know, judges. And a lot of these are these are all like elected positions, you know. Mm-hmm. You need to keep uh, electing people who are actually committed to this. And it doesn't necessarily mean they have a D or an R or an I next to their name, you know. 
but we do have to keep electing people who are committed to this because we really are like i'm i'm a firm believer that we are in a spiritual war and it's hard to argue that when you see these massive clubs of ultra rich pedophiles preying on people you know it, it's tough to argue it yeah. and you see and and then every time you think that you're maybe a little crazy or maybe you're just getting wrapped up in the tinfoil hat conspiracy theories the fact is more evidence comes out to support that. And these uh, other side don't seem to be doing anything to stop that besides to stop that theory besides calling you a liar. That, that's yeah. only they have that you're wrong. So well, you to me, a, sorry, go ahead. It's true. Yeah. Well, you bring up a good point about local government. We, we always talk about that, my brother and I, where it's like we have a lot of power on the local level. People just have to care. Like a lot of these elections, people win by two, three hundred votes. I mean, and these have drastically more more power over your life than, say, the president. So that is starting at the base. I think that's a good place. It's just hard to get people motivated to really because there's not a lot of attention on uh, local elections. But as far as elections, that's uh, that's going to bring us to our first story. But I guess the, the Zoom meetings, you have an hour limit. So I'm going to exit this meeting real quick and restart another one. So I'll send you the link. That way we have a full hour. All right. All right. I can. Awesome. Then I'll start recording again, and that'll be easy to combine those files. But um, so we're going to go ahead and get to our first story here. We um, right off the bat, we have to address the, the primary results. Um, to be honest, it went about exactly as we had predicted. Uh so let's see. Let me go to the top here. Um, yeah, so Donald Trump has won New Hampshire. He got 54%. Nikki Haley came in second with 43%, which um, we had predicted that Nikki would get 40% and then half of DeSantis's base, and then Trump would get 50% and half of DeSantis's base. Um, it looks like that has pretty much went exactly how we thought. Um, but as far as what this means, and you might disagree with me, but... Um, and you might disagree as well, Zach. But um, like I said last week, New Hampshire is kind of a weird state. It has like a weird libertarian bent. But overall, it's a very Mitt Romney kind of big R Republican state. So I don't think that this means anything as far as Trump not winning the nomination. I think he obviously wins the nomination. Uh, what I do think will happen is I think that Nikki Haley, unfortunately, since she did do well, she's probably going to stick around for a little bit longer, which is annoying and also could potentially be dangerous for sucking some of Trump's base away. Um, I don't know if you, you agree with that, but. Well, there's one aspect that I read and I haven't been able to verify it, but it's worth uh, fact checking on is that the large majority of those people who voted for Nikki Haley aren't really registered Republicans. <laughs> yeah. There were 300,000 uh, registered Republicans in New Hampshire but there were 400,000 independents who were all voting. So that Zach brought up that good point yesterday where um, it is probably likely that this doesn't necessarily mean as much as we think it does for the, the general election. But um, what I think more of is not, not that this indicates Haley has a big base. It's the longer she's in the more, I don't trust any of these people. And I also don't trust the, the voters not to be retarded. I, I worry there is, more potential the longer she's in the race for her to say something do something get that one video clip that siphons voters away from trump but either way he will win the nomination i just i worry that um because there there is a lot of there are a lot of people who are 
I don't, you know, kind of an anti-Trump in the, uh, especially a lot of jilted DeSantis voters. And I, I don't, it's still too early to tell, but I, I worry a little bit about it that we're going to screw ourselves and Biden will end up being in another four years because of it. But um, it's tough to say because you know what, um, there's a lot of aspects to it. You know, Trump does have a base. There's a lot of people who are out there posting Trump or bust. You know, I'm not voting for anyone except Trump. And not many people, you would be very hard to find anyone who voted for Trump that regrets voting for Trump. Mm-hmm. Biden really doesn't have much of a base. There's not, not many people out there really saying Biden is fantastic. You may find some on Twitter, but then when you look deeper, you'll find they're just paid. Well, Democrats- 12 people voted for Biden and then 83 million people voted against Trump. Nobody yeah. likes Biden. They just don't like Trump. And I mean, that's that's really what it is. So now I will tell you that since uh, even if the economy is doing better by the numbers, even if it is, you know, people are really bothered by what they're seeing at the grocery store and what they're seeing when they're shopping. So as a result, they're going to continue to think this economy is going garbage, even if the stock market's up, even if job numbers are up. They, they and then they talk about, oh, inflation is down. I'm sorry, but when you go to the grocery store and you see some of the items that you normally buy and they're up like 300% in price, it doesn't make you feel better. You know, like I get little raise here or there, but a lot of people aren't getting raises that match the amount of inflation that you're seeing with the items that you're buying all the time. Like the inflation is down, sure, but that includes everything including a lot of uh, prescription drugs, which really don't get that much inflation, and a lot of items that people don't normally buy that's included in the aggregate. But in the meantime, when you take a look at the things that people actually pay for, like orange juice or tortillas or you know milk or eggs, these things are up and they continue to go up. Yeah. Especially and- since the regulations continue to grow under the Biden administration who Mm -hmm. continues to keep adding more laws, more laws, restricting the ability of farmers and ranchers and to do their job. Yeah. And they do a lot of that stuff with for equity too. He's really big on that. Like uh, there were a bunch of farmers who created a lawsuit because they were giving special, special grants to um, people like farmers of color, but it's like people they've tried to, People are not down with that. Like you said, all they care about is the price of their orange juice, the price of their tortillas. And they tried to blame it on Trump, but people aren't buying it. You can't. Trump was in for four years. He was battling impeachments the entire time. Like whatever the people like me were mad that Trump didn't do more. So it's like you can't come in and then say now everything that Biden that's wrong with the Biden administration is Trump's fault. And then also they were blaming covid. People aren't buying that either because the lockdowns are over in the blue states. They'll buy it, but not every, everywhere else where maybe swing states are. And like Arizona, you consider it a swing state and we weren't locked down. So people know that's bullshit and they've waited too long for their next pandemic. I think they're still going to try and do it, but that's not going to sway people. This next pandemic. I don't think people are, I think that they think they'll make it scarier. We've talked about like this new COVID variant and the avian flu and hundred percent death rate. It gets in the brain. I don't think that people will care. <laughs> I think not not in the states where it matters. I think blue states, they'll be terrified. I think in swing states, probably it's not going to be the big, oh, this is our big excuse now. So, yeah, I think, uh, I, I don't remember how we got down on that rabbit hole, but I think. Uh, 
Biden if I can, before we get too far away, when you pointed out about the uh, the extra special treatment given specifically to black farmers, mm -hmm. I want to point out a story that I heard about, about how there was a black neighborhood in, uh, I think it was Inglewood, Chicago. And uh, this was told to me by actual like face-to-face -face black people instead of just something I read on Twitter. And what they were trying to do was they were trying to bring a farmer's market into the neighborhood. And they kept working with the aldermen and trying to get black farmer's market going. Because there are black farmers out there, of course, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And they wanted the black community to be able to support the black farmers by getting the fresh fruits and vegetables from them. And they worked hard and they lobbied and they did everything. And then finally their leaders said, okay, we're going to help you out. And then they put up a Whole Foods. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's not at all what they asked for, especially since you know very well anyone who uh, knows about these neighborhoods knows that when you see a Chipotle or a Whole Foods, the gentrification is coming. Yep. Yeah. There's, I remember when I was in Huntsville, Alabama, there was, uh, they were putting in a Whole Foods. And I remember walking past and just watching. I don't I didn't really get involved in anything. I don't know what was going on, but it was just this black lady reaming out this, this white lady with the black lives matter shirt. Cause she's like, get out of here. We don't want you. We don't want your store. You're going to raise the prices. And it's like, yeah, people, but they, they don't understand. Cause they're so disconnected from any of these communities. They just think food desert equality. Oh, we'll fix it by putting in a big corporation store. It's like, yeah. no, nobody cares. <laughs> your, your solution is worse than the problem. Well, from what I understand, Chicago's really looking at those uh, food deserts and talking about putting in city-owned grocery we, stores. We covered that communist, wow. like that, that is communism, state-run grocery stores. And one yeah. thing ironic is they will fail, and they'll fail. Th this whole food desert thing is a myth because, and Gavin McInnes has talked about. It. I know you watch Gavin. Uh, I watch Gavin. It's go to the hood. I live in South Phoenix. I live in the hood. Hood people do not eat fresh fruits and vegetables. They want garbage food. It's we have an epidemic in this country, and it's not just black communities. Poor people eat like shit. So this idea that people don't have access to fresh fruits and vegetables—it's a lie. If they a they do, and b they're not buying healthy foods. People aren't going to go shopping at Whole Foods just because it's available and it's healthier. They're going to get Wonder Bread and PB and J. Well, you know, of course, there's exceptions to every rule, you know, and I hate to just speak about any group of people like a monolith. But at the same time, uh, usually when people are in low income neighborhoods, that means that they have low income. And yeah, usually they're not buying organic fruits and vegetables. They're just buying the cheap crap. That's what they can afford, you know. And then if you really take a look like deeper at some of the uh, uh, a lot of pe these people uh, will spend their money on like candy and stuff, yeah. you know, parts of candy. It's almost like the schools really didn't do a very good job of teaching them about nutrition, which well, there's our whole pe food pyramid is ridiculous. It's 90% bread <laughs> and eat corn and grain. <laughs> yeah. It's what they can afford, you know? Yeah. But like exception to every rule, you know, and I don't want to say that's everybody, but yeah, in the low-income neighborhoods, they do, generally speaking, eat a lot of carbs because it's cheap. Yeah. Well, there are right. they, yeah, there are exceptions. Like, we grew up in the South, but our mom was a Yankee, so she was a little, not as much into the everything home fried, and she was a lot more health conscious. So yeah, there are exceptions, but, you know, as a general rule, typically you're going to see more eating cheap crap in, you know, poor communities. It's just and the way it is. Uh, you know, to add to that, like, 
as I'm rebuilding my life, uh, my family's on food stamps right now. Okay. And, uh, but the difference is, is that we don't live in the inner city. We live out in the outskirts, out in the farmlands. So mm -hmm. we use our uh, uh, food stamps to actually gain real food from actual farmers that are around our area. So we may be poor, but we are still able to eat good food, healthy food for a pretty good price too. And then on top of that, I still am able to put my kids through uh, uh, a private school. You just got to make cuts elsewhere, you know, some cuts, but I have been able to give my kids a good education and a good diet, even though I'm like stupid poor. <laughs> you actually care though. These these other parents don't care. They're like like even in the south, like a bunch of poor people we eat beans, rice, your big old giant garden, and sure they'll, they'll fry everything, but eat a bunch of you know basic cheap stuff. Utilize a crock pot, but you know because you can't just do nothing but hamburger helper and I don't know pastaroni every day and I don't uh, what's like the uh, little rice and rolls and stuff. So yeah, well it's um yeah it's uh. So I was trying, I was trying to think, I had something I was going to say on that. It's, um, well, I, I complete brain fart. No, no, no. You, <laughs> it, it's a good point. It comes down to the, the parents. Oh, yeah. I know. I remember what I was going to say. You like you, you're, you're making an effort. You're making cuts. That's the problem is absolutely. I agree with the plight that it's way harder. We'll get to a story later. Like everything, everything is poisoning us. It's a lot harder to, you know, it's hard to not have two vehicles. It's hard to not have two people working all that stuff. Private school. I can only imagine how difficult that is, but you're a perfect example of you have been screwed over extremely hard by the state. You're still not financially recovered from that and you're still making it work. That comes that that says a lot about the responsibility of the parents. So it's not like these food deserts and stuff. Yeah there can be a systemic aspect of it and an environmental aspect, but also, you know, part of that could be, okay, we'll move out of the city to like somewhere around farmers like you. And I think that people underestimate the, the personal responsibility aspect of it. We can talk about the other stuff, but also people need to realize they have a personal responsibility to do everything they can. And most people can do a lot better if they like care about their health and stuff. Well, I would definitely say, um, if uh, there is someone in the what you would call a food desert in the inner city and they're struggling and they're having difficulty making ends meet, you're just going to have to find a way. I suggest you get the hell out of the city. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that would be my biggest because the city's doing nothing but making things more difficult for you. Mm -hmm. and forcing you to stay on the system. And I, I know that there are some ways to be able to pull it off, like uh, Section 8A housing is not restricted to just the city. You know, you could possibly get uh, some Section 8A housing in areas. It may not be the best neighborhood, but at the same time, if you're living in a poor-income neighborhood, you're, you're not in the best neighborhood now. But at least you could be closer to where the fresh fruit and vegetables are actually made where people more generally speaking have a culture of uh have a culture of you know uh morality yeah well we had section eight housing in uh in our little dinky southern town and we worked at a, a, a farm there were tons of farms everywhere we had farmers markets but yeah still had section eight housing so i like i think people should especially look at like russia and the history of russia it's like one of the biggest contributors to communism one of the biggest goals was to get people out of the rural areas because that's independent people with property they want people in cities plus people in cities are easier to control so 
I think for yep. anybody wanting to improve their lives and not wanting to be on the system or realize, even if you think like most people who are on the system think that the system is flawed. It's like, well, one of the biggest things is you can actually move your location because this is by design. Getting people in the cities is a big part of socialism and Marxist theory. But yeah, well, it is a lot of its control. Although in Russia's fairness, to be fair to Russia, I don't know how true this is. But I heard after this war with Ukraine and these sanctions dropped on Russia, I heard that Putin gave every single citizen a piece of land to farm. <laughs> really? <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but I heard it, and it's worth fact-checking. You heard it here first. Yeah, you heard it here first. <laughs> and making me a little jealous. I'm like, why can't my country do that? Yeah, so, well, I'll be honest, yeah. there's a lot of... Um, if you if you really like if you get out of the mindset of just Russia bad Ukraine Ukraine good and don't get me wrong I'm not a fan of Putin I'm not a fan of Russia but if you look at actually what he wants to do and you look at Zelensky of Ukraine it's almost it's hard to argue that Zelensky is any better and like the the Ukrainian government is any better than Russia I would argue that it's actually more corrupt and more more compromised I mean, like they were banning what eleven opposition parties. They banned the uh, the Orthodox Church. Like Ukrainian, it's like Vivek said in one of the debates. It's not this bastion of freedom. And then you look at like some of the stuff Russia wants to do, and you're like, it's pretty based. <laughs> like, well, you know, we're talking about a completely different culture. You know, when you're talking about these people, you need to understand that they have a completely different mindset in Eastern Europeans and Russians, like from us. You know, because if you take a look at, um, at uh, for instance, democracy, my precious democracy, you know, Putin is no fan of real democracy. Every time he gets someone who's a political opponent, that's actually a threat to him. He'll have you know, a suitcase. Yeah, he goes to prison, you know, what was yeah. that guy, Navalny? You know, Putin wasn't playing with him. That's certainly not democracy. But then take a look at Zelensky. Zelensky uh, basically said, we're not holding elections. It's not going to happen. You don't have the option. Of we're not holding guys. elections until the U.S. gives us funding. <laughs> yeah. So, and yeah, so really, when you look at it, neither of them are really all that democratic. And when you take a look at the people of Russia, they really are kind of far more comfortable with just having a strong arm dictator. It's not in their priority that they have their interests met. What's in their priority is to bring Russia back to its former greatness. Yeah, because we we forget here in the West that a lot of people are not, they don't even understand freedom. It's like in Iraq, and you try to explain the concept of voting to people. Well, who do I vote for? It's like, whoever you want. It's like, it doesn't compute to parts of the world. And in some ways that makes those parts of the world more stable. So and so it might even be better for Russia, and they might know that. Like this is what works for us. But at the same time, these these people love Putin. Yeah. These Russians love Putin. So if you if America does such this great job of dethroning Putin and regime change, you have not made any friend friends with any of the Russian people. They're only gonna elect someone that's even more of a war hawk against America because they love Putin. They love them. All the more reason why we should butt the fuck out. I am. We just covered the other day. Now, since the U.S. is having trouble freeing up funds to send over there, now the EU stepping in to fund them with billions of dollars. It's it's like literally everyone wants war. They they are just desperate for Putin to press the button so that they can have a giant war. 
Yeah, you know what, really, America needs to focus on itself right now. Oh, it seems like our government is just falling over heels <laughs> to throw money at these overseas <laughs> countries. And it, it gets to the point where you have to turn around and say, yo, we can't afford it. We can't afford it, you know? Like, how much of our money really is going to these people? And it goes all over to these countries that we have no... You know, we don't even really know much about. I believe we built a wall around Jordan. Like, they get a border wall. We don't. And we get to pay for it. You know, for Jordan. Now, look, some of them, I kind of get, like, you don't want Boko Haram to gain much of a foothold in Nigeria. So you want to give Nigeria some military aid. It makes sense. But then when you help the Nigerians and then they turn around and say, we don't like Boko Haram, but now we don't like America either. How wise the investment was. And then we sitting there work, trying to give money. I'm sure we've given money to Istanbul, who's then just stomping all over the people of what was it, Azerbaijan, who's uh, fully loaded with Christians. So they're stomping all over these people and throwing them off their homeland. And in the meantime, we're checking it. You know, and we're putting a uh, we're putting a block, uh, an iron curtain in front of that. Don't look at what's happening to the people of Azerbaijan. We keep throwing our money around, and none of it seems to be a good investment. Yeah, well, you know, um, you know who Dave Smith is, right? The Not libertarian me. comedian. He's a uh, one of the hosts of Legion of Skanks podcast. Okay, also, I know. He, yeah, he's a big libertarian in the Mises Caucus, and he uh, he has a podcast called Part of the Problem. And in part of his intro, one of the things he says is, "If you want to know who our next enemy is, just look at who we're funding right now." And it's yeah. so accurate. It is. It is. I think I saw that uh, some of the uh, the Hamas people who were coming out of Palestine to attack Israel were attacking Israel with weapons that were given to them by the Ukrainian military. Yeah, it's, well, it's, uh, my brother and I just watched Lord of War the other day, and it's still true. The U.S. has and still is the biggest arms dealer in the entire world. Our CIA has given so many weapons to other countries, and we have no idea where those go. And it's pretty much everyone, and someone in every conflict in the world is using a weapon and ammo that was paid for by the U.S. government to kill somebody else. If we could arm yeah. Antarctica, we would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, really, funny, that guy uh, was based on a true story, and that's the guy who we uh, traded to get Brittany Griner back. No way. That's what that, who that story's based off of. That's who it was based off of. That guy Victor Blout or something. That that's is wild. Yuri, I think his name was. And then we traded him to get Brittany Griner back. So the Lord of War. Back. Oh my gosh. I <laughs> sometimes we're, we're living in a simulation, man. <laughs> you can't make it up. Uh, yeah. We should try to trade her back, but Rush would say no take back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, nobody. <laughs> joke. It's a joke. It's really how they get away with it. You, it shot me in shock and awe. Amazing. I think a big part of it is just obscurity. Um, up until the internet and really up until like the last 10 years, we had no idea about any of this. Like people had, they watched the news, they read the newspaper. Like we were so, our 
we were so controlled in what information we were allowed to get. And now, of course, there's the negative side of there's so much bullshit out there. You got to sift through it. But at least for the curious citizen, there's enough out there to we can actually start expose exposing some of this stuff. That's why I think right now with like the, the client list and stuff. Yeah, we're so far away from having all the answers, but I think it is moving that direction. Like, for instance, that bringing back the Carrie Lake thing 20 years ago, no one ever would have known that Carrie Lake was bribed. If she had went to go try and tell her story, someone would have been bought off at the newspaper to discredit her or to, to hide her story. And there was no social media or anything. But now, because there's an availability for anybody can post anything on Twitter and stuff spreads like wildfire, we get those stories. So maybe hopefully in the future, some of this can get uh, can get pulled back. But either way, if nothing else, I think people are tired of war, especially because we see so much footage of it now in HD you know, you uh, a Russian 18 year old Russian unarmed running away from a drone and then getting exploded. It's like people can see like what what this stuff actually looks like on the ground. Which I you know, so I'm kind of glad you brought that up because uh, I know that you were uh, you're a veteran and you you've been to uh, foreign wars and uh, I haven't. However, seeing some of the footage of when missiles are really taken off, when they're shooting <laughs> off by the hundred, you're like, oh, my God, that's intense. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, it, you know, it, it is pretty crazy. And you start to see it live, uh, you know, uncut. And it's not some CNN anchor sitting in a basement with a gas mask telling you, wow, they're really bombing. No, you really see the missiles taking off and shooting off by yeah. like the hundreds raining down on in the collateral land. damage. Like people, there's a you know a big argument over Israel and Hamas. I was joking earlier when you said we shouldn't be funding other countries. According to Ben Shapiro, you're an anti-Semite for saying that. But um the, the funny yeah. thing, Israel is that they only asked for like a ten billion? They mm -hmm. didn't even ask us for all that much. They said, "Look, let, let us just get ten billion. We'll take care of it." And Biden's like, "Well, how about a hundred billion and another hundred billion for a month?" Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> <what>? <laughs> Here, we'll just print you guys a boatload. Of, we'll print print you a couple pallets of cash. Like, what is this? And then give some to your enemies too, because we want it to be fair. Are you? Oh, that that was the craziest thing. And then we're also freeing up Iran's funds and then it immediately goes to Hamas. But but my point with that was that people are seeing there's all this outrage over Israel for their bombing campaigns because you see all the dead kids. And I'm like, well, imagine if that had been the if we had had all this footage in Vietnam in the early days of the Iraq war and people saw what the American military did. And like I I'm a veteran. I was, you know, people can't call me a commie, but it's like. America absolutely is a war criminal. Like we compared to what Israel did to, you know, Gaza or any of these countries, Russia to Ukraine, the U.S. is like, hold my beer over the last hundred years. And that doesn't well, mean that we shouldn't have been involved in all those wars. But like some of these wars, like Iraq, I think we can, most of us can agree that Iraq was an unjustified war. The death and destruction, I don't blame the people on the ground for that. But it's like the fact that that war happened, it's like, holy shit. Well, you know what I see. I, I could understand why we needed to act, and I don't really know much about what happened on the ground with the Iraq War. I know from what I understand, uh, Saddam Hussein was trying to say, "Oh, we're going to. Uh, I want to form my own monopoly on the oil." You know, started invading foreign countries and mostly saying, "I want to dominate the oil industry." 
and control the prices. And America was like, uh-uh, uh-uh. You're not going to dominate it with our yeah. petrodollar, which if he had succeeded in what his plans were, he really would have had our economy by the, you know, the short hips. So yeah. I can understand that we can't have that happen. We can't. If you're a good leader, you're not going to sit idly by and watch that. However, did it have to fall back on war with them? Uh, wouldn't it have been better to keep us on the gold standard? Well, maybe, yeah. And also, that's what I was going to say. It kind of, if you roll it back, it's a bigger issue. Why were we in this position? It's like the position we talk about war with China and now Saudi Arabia. We're trying to battle for Saudi Arabia's favorite favorites. Like, why are we in this position in the first place? But I guess maybe a better way of putting it is, okay, separating the, the initial evasion of Iraq. Okay, we do something. May, we can talk about that as a separate thing. But either way, the pulling out, going back in, pulling out, going back in, like the way we did that war, absolutely stupid. Yeah, and just you're right. So many more people. I believe it was uh, Nicola Machiavelli that said that if you're going to uh, come after your enemies, make sure you damage to them to where there'll never be a threat again. Right. Yeah. Which but instead we we damaged them, then we funded them, picked them up, dusted them back off, fought them again, then funded them, dusted them back off, changed their name each time. Oh, now you're Al Qaeda. Oh, now you're ISIS. Oh, now you're whoever. But anyway, we could go on a rabbit hole on there all night long. We should probably. But I wanted to uh, bring it back for a minute, if you don't mind. If I could go yeah. in reverse. Go ahead, and then we'll and, uh, uh, go back to, to where you um, mentioned about uh, how information just so readily dumps onto the social media, where uh, Carrie Lake, you know, that recording, it never would have made our ears. It never would have. But nowadays, when you dump it on social media, it's too late. Now you got to do damage control. It's out there. You can't fight the authenticity of it, right? Yeah, this yeah. is what I'm saying. I think everyone agrees 2024 is going to be a complete shit show with the AI and the deep fakes coming out. How long do you think it's going to be until uh, Trump's N word tape comes out? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's it's it's a two it's a two bit um like it's a two edged sword where on one hand you can say they're already saying the opposite though where they get caught saying something real and they're like oh it's AI <laughs> so it can go the other way too where now when you look at but I think what's more terrifying than just like how it'll be weaponized is what it does to the electric as a whole you look at okay if no one has faith in the elections we covered last episode the the voting machines being hacked with a pen then you look at um nobody they believe that people are cheating then ai images no one's going to trust anything they see with their own eyeballs nobody's going to believe in anything in the system and the entire thing is either going to collapse or someone's going to come in to that power vacuum and just consolidate all the power because we have no idea what's going on I don't know what the hell's going on lots of times you know i've seen some deep fake deep fakes and i think everyone has to where it is so convincing, you really got to say, wow, I, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. you see it so convincing, you realize you really cannot just trust what you see anymore. You know, these AIs get, deep fakes get real good. Like I've seen one where Obama just like gave a speech and then he walked out and kicked down the door. <laughs> and I was like, that is totally not Obama, but it was so freaking convincing. I'm like, I can't trust anything I see anymore. Yeah, it's 
I, I really, I, this is why I want to get um, our mutual friend Tony on here to talk about tech. Cause there's gotta be some smart people. There's gotta be some smart people who know how to fight back against some of this stuff with tech. Tony would. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I have, I legitimately have no idea. There's a couple, I have my strong suits. And then this is one of the areas where I am just not good with technology, um, global economics. Um, but yeah, I think it, it's interesting how it'll play out. It'll, I mean, it, in the meantime, it will probably just be used as weapons because you'll have the people who want to believe that it's real will believe it's real. And the people who want to believe it's fake will believe it's fake. It'll just divide. Yeah. It's really, um, it's really sad. And I don't know how it's going to end because you take a look, there are so many threats to society right now. It's absolutely yeah. crazy. And, and I mean, a complete, complete and utter breakdown of any kind of morality or common sense. Yeah, it's very hard not to get just completely blackpilled on the whole thing. But... I could see how they do. I could see. I could see how people do. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, the only reason I'm not fully blackpilled is that I'd find it hard to function if I didn't have some kind of hope. Yeah, you got to have a little bit of a, a bit of a romantic view of the good guys can pull it out in the end. Because otherwise, it's like, well, what's the point? I'll just. I'll get good and drunk and then shoot myself in the head and not worry about it anymore. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. But, um, so let's see. It looks like our meeting's going to end in eight minutes. I'll have to restart it. But we should be able to get to a couple stories here real quick. Um, so these are leftover stories from yesterday, actually, that we wanted to get to. And uh, hopefully it doesn't come across as too racist. So, um I got some backlash on my episode criticizing the left's tendency to pander to blacks. And, um, well, I don't really care about those attacks. Uh, I want to talk about some more to prove my point, some more pandering to blacks, which is, I think actually detrimental to the black community. Um, so let's see, can you see this? Well, the intersection of racial justice and chemistry. Yeah. Okay, so, the study of Black Life Matter. Yeah, wow. So, <laughs> so right, yeah, Rice University unveils Afrochemistry. And let me put my thing in here. Um, yeah, unveils Afrochemistry class that will explore the intersection of racial justice and chemistry, dubbing it the study of Black Life Matter. Um, Rice University is offering an Afrochemistry class that promises to analyze science through a contemporary African American lens, marketed as the study of Black Life Matter, a play on words merging science jargon with the Black Lives Matter movement, of course, begins this semester. Um, let's see, uh, diverse historical and contemporary scientists, intellectuals, and chemical discoveries will inform personal reflections and proposals addressing inequities in chemistry and chemical education. Um, I want to see what the the person the person who's do who's running it is, uh, Brooke Johnson. She's a PhD in chemistry from Princeton and the university, a part of the university's DEI department. No surprise there. Um, where what is? Let's see, what did she say? Uh, Dr. Johnson is passionate about the intersection of science and social justice, and using her unique experiences to teach, support, and inspire diverse students. Um, now the reason. Well Sorry, go ahead. Wow, it's really crazy because you know what? It's obviously liberals, and behind that is obviously Democrats. And it really blows my mind. I, uh, I got into an argument before about how Republicans are the ones trying to push Jim Crow. What was Jim Crow except segregation? And here we are with segregation. 
the white people will get into the chemistry class where they actually focus on chemistry, but then the black liberals who are interested in social justice can go into another class that looks at chemistry instead of purely as chemistry, looking at it through the eyes of social justice. That's a so you can point. figure out, what's they, that? That's a great point. They analyze, they correctly diagnose the problem. Okay. And I'll show you this article. Um, so stems, racial gaps, ethnic and gender gaps are strikingly large. Um, Oh, now it's not going to let me read the story. Um, you got to be kidding me. Now all of a sudden it's not going to let me read the story. Um, okay, let me, let me <laughs> talk with Google. This is ridiculous. Um, let's Should see. have screenshot it. <laughs> I know. I, I wish that I had um, a nice printer where I could just... God, just let me read the article. Um, oh, forget this. Um, so long story short... Uh, it was like it showed black people are wildly underrepresented in STEM and specifically chemistry. It was like, I mean, out of all the STEM fields, chemistry was like the lowest. And it's like, OK, well, you correctly diagnose that. The, and, and that was from 2021, that there's not a lot of black people in STEM. And you're like, OK, well, maybe your heart's in the right place. You want to do something about it. But this woke pandering bullshit the effect is just like you said, it actually just creates a separate market where now if I look, if I'm a person who is very smart, I have my PhD in chemistry, I'm looking for a lab assistant and I look at their transcripts and I see, you know, Joe Smith who has, you know, chemistry. Then I look at John Smith who has chemistry. And then I look at a black person who has Afrochemistry. Well, it's not a matter of race. I'm not a racist person, but that pro person with Afrochemistry is probably not as qualified to do chemistry shit as the other people. So you're actually creating your with this pseudo segregation and this pandering, saying basically we don't think that black people are smart enough to be in chemistry, which is really what you what you're saying. If you have to help them along and not okay, we're gonna you know give you aid and hold you to the same standard because we think you can make it. If you're just adjusting the standard or making something different altogether you're saying you don't think that they can succeed at the at the the actual chemistry so by doing that you're actually kicking them out of chemistry you're just saying here you guys go play over here at do your own thing you get a great grade c uh chemistry class one that doesn't really focus much on chemistry and more on uh social justice but here's here's another aspect to look at um you take a look at why the black population is underrepresented in stem Take another look at why would you find that Chinese and Koreans are overrepresented in the nail painting industry or dry cleaning industry? Really, it's because generational. You know, uh, back in the day when the Chinese and uh, them were pouring into the country, uh, you weren't allowed to hire a Chinese person. Mm -hmm. So that's why they had to get into owning Chinese restaurants, doing laundry and doing nails. Right. There was something cheap that they could do and they were allowed to work that job. Well, guess what? When their kids grow up, they kind of follow the generational uh, career, get into the family business. And by the way, so just find... it right there, we can also recognize that was back. In, that was actual racist racism. That was a problem yeah. that needed to be addressed. That's not just them. Yeah, they really could. They were barred by the law from doing it. So you couldn't just say, oh, well, if you're a Chinese person, just go get a job somewhere. That, that's they were that was actually racist. But sorry. And so, and so this is uh, really why you look today, why you go into nail painting salons and, uh, uh, you know, dry cleaners. And you find that uh, they're the Chinese are overrepresented. 
And it's really interesting. If you ever watch the movie The Search for General Sao, they explain it. They put together an organization where the Chinese would come onto the land and they'd say, okay, you're not getting hired here, but we put together some money. We're going to send you over to Minnesota. You're going to start a nail painting business. Get over there. And then they'd get paid back and take the money and invest it in the next Chinese person, which really community helping each other out. And they'd say, now you, you're going down to Texas. And what you're going to find out is what they eat down there. And you're going to have this dish, general sow, chop suey. You're going to find out what kind of meat they like to eat. So if they sent them down to Louisiana, you'd find general sow gator. <laughs> you know? they, knew that they knew the formula, general sow, chop suey. That's what these Americans like. They like to have their food a little too, a little foreign, but not too foreign. They don't want, you know, a whole bunch of vinegar and hot sauce. They want sugar and on top of their little itty bitty corns. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, but anyway, it was a good movie, but I, I got into a tangent. See, what happens is that people tend to follow what their family kind of did career-wise. And it may not be, and no, it's not in every person. There's exceptions to every rule, but generally speaking, that's the trend of society. However, there is some decision-making to be done. I, I spoke to a Black guy who I'm not going to mention, but I know for a fact that his father uh, was a railroad, railroad worker who uh, would also cut hair on the side. Mm -hmm. Now, both of them are respectable jobs. A railroad worker, respectable job. A barber, respectable job. Okay, mm -hmm. The guy uh, himself chose to not uh, get into the railroading aspect, but to be a barber. Fair enough. Okay. But then he talks about how uh, it's like systematic racism holding him back, why he doesn't make as much money. But I happen to know that his dad tried to get him into the railroad business where he would be, literally be working for, you know, the city transportation right now, yeah. making a good amount of money. Instead, he chose to go with the barber business which I'm not going to blame the guy, you know, if you're gonna... Sorry about that, I'll figure out why yeah. like, I had to pay for a premium subscription or something to zoom to figure it out. I'll figure out. We don't have this problem next time where we only have it only. Let's just do like 30 minutes. But so the guy, he, he went into the barber, the barber business instead of the, uh, um... he would have been more, uh, made more money as a railroad worker than as a barber. But he decided to be a barber. But then what upset me was when he was talking about how it was a white holding them back from making the same amount of money. When really, if he had followed in his father's footsteps in the bar in the railroad worker business, he'd be making leaps and bounds more money as a railroad work railroad worker than he would as a barber. And I mean, it, 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 breaking the getting into the industry that you choose to get into. Yeah. Well, that's the thing I talked about how the Asians. That was actual racism. They had to do what they had to do. They have a legitimate beef back then of why, you know, racism. Now there, there aren't those bars on them with black people. Yeah. Historically they were, they were oppressed. They were redlined, all this stuff. So yeah, 50 years ago, you could make the exact same cases like with the Asians, but now we don't have those same barriers. So that's where it comes down to. It's not a systemic issue anymore. It's, like you pointed out, it's a, a cultural thing. It's follow. It's generational. So that's where well, I think that the answer is not is not just making up something new. I think the answer is, okay, you guys can do this, but you're gonna have to work really hard. You're gonna have to improve your local school districts. Whatever you have to do, the answer is not just creating something new. There is an opportunity there. There's no legal thing holding holding black people back from getting into chemistry. I think that now the ball is in in their court. And I think that that's doing a dis them a disservice 
by again white liberal pandering instead of a little bit of tough love well i do think that uh the black schools do need to have some improvement and i think a lot of people will agree with me with that now how do we go about it i don't think the democrat way is the way to go which is basically throwing more money at these schools i really do think school choice is the way to go and i do think that there are a lot of uh, uh, highly motivated black people who are ready to take the reins and take that bull by its horn in order to provide a better education for the youth in the inner city, which is needed. But uh, you're going to have to do it through private schools. And uh, if we're really talking about some low income people, then the school choice is really the Democrats way absolutely hate in these inner cities. They will rail. We saw I, I can't remember what state it was, but the person in charge of of uh, the public school system has her kids in private school, but then fought against the or maybe it was a congresswoman fought against the school choice bill. So it's like they yeah. don't want that. They, they want the solution to be we'll just pump more money into it. Which... Yeah, well, it's a grift. It's a grift. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a racket. They skim off the top. They pad the pockets of their buddies. You know, they're not really interested in uh, improving the education of the students in their district. They want to keep them nice and dumb. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> no, they, yeah. they're not interested in improving. That's why they really do need to uh, have their school choice so that they can take control of their own education, man. And, yeah. and I mean, sometimes you can't just expect others to do it. You have to stand up, do it yourself. And these liberal cities like uh, Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, they're not having that. So uh, these people, the residents of these communities really do need to uh, change their voting habits. And I don't care if it's a D or an R, but they do have to uh, actually make that a huge uh, issue for them. Mm -hmm. Say, we're not voting for you unless you promise us the ability to put our kids in whatever schools we want to put them in. I guess that's a good way of putting it is I kind of I've I kind of framed it like, oh, the whole pick pick yourself up by your bootstraps argument. But that's hard to do when you have a Democratic boot on your neck. So yeah. that's the first step is getting the Democrat boot off your neck. Then you'll have the ability to pick up your pick up yourself by your bootstraps. But now right now they don't really have that option because the, the school system is completely co-opted by the Democrats. They don't want school choice. They don't want, they just want to pump more money into it so they can pump more woke, woke bullshit. They want to destroy the families in these communities. So maybe, yeah, that's the first step is getting out of the, getting off the, the Democrat plantation. You know, I think also another one would probably be good to have some tax incentives to keep uh, husbands. Like as it is, you have tax incentives to have kids. Cool. I'm not mad at that. You know, tax breaks or maybe tax grants. But uh, if you're single, you get more money than if you're married. And I think it would probably be better to say, no, if you are uh, still have your husband around and he's around raising the kids, you get even more money. Then that's another incentive to keep the family together. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, so we'll go ahead and move on to our next story here. And by the way, Zach, will you hit record on the uh, audio there? I forgot that just as a, a stopgap in case um, something happens. But uh, this story, we won't stay on it too long. It's just kind of funny. I had to bring it up because I hate Nikki Haley. Uh, so this is from Daily Mail. Nikki Haley did cheat on husband Michael, had affairs with her comms consultant and a married South Car Carolina lobbyist. Before she became governor, sworn affidavits and new witnesses claim. Um, let's see. Nikki Haley, 51, denied claims she cheated on her husband, Michael, before she became South Carolina governor in 2010, saying she was 100% faithful. Um, communications consultant, Will Folks, 49, blah, blah, blah. 
Um, so people can go and they can make form their own opinion on that. I looked through it and um, I think it's very possible she cheated. But my my question was, does this stuff actually matter in politics? We talk, they, people talk a lot about like Trump's character or like back then, Bill Clinton or just politicians in general. They try to discredit them for their character. Um, what I was thinking about this is this doesn't really have anything to do with her ability to run the country per se. But it does mean something to me, for instance, if she's not faithful to her husband, why would I think that she's going to be faithful to us when she's being lobbied by the military industrial complex and big corporations? So I think I'm kind of deployed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was kind of I was previously had thought kind of like the Bill Clinton thing. I don't care. Just focus on their policy. But I actually do think I'm starting to care more about the character of people in office. But. What do you think? Should people care about Nikki Haley cheating or do you not think it's that big of a deal? Like, Well, in terms of whether or not it's really going to make a difference, it's tough to say in 2024 because my grandma voted for Michael Bukakis simply because his wife smoked. Voters his wife voted, smoked? Yeah, Michael Dukakis's wife smoked. My grandma smoked. She liked that. So she voted <laughs> for Michael Dukakis. Felt they had more... <laughs> Let you know where the idea of your average voter is. Now, in terms of uh, cheating, you know, I, I fall back on this rule, and uh, I think it's a good rule, and I'll give credit to Dan Bongino for it, for saying it, and I'm going to go ahead and say it, is that we really shouldn't care so much about the person. We should care about the political football and which way it's getting pushed. So, like, if you're really going to do a deep dive into these people, you're going to find that just they're all scumbags. Mm -hmm. I'm just go off the idea that they're all scumbags, every single one of them. You may find someone who's really morally right. You may find someone that puts on better acts than others. You may find some people with more skeletons in the closets than others. What are they doing? What laws are they passing? What what, what establishments are they defunding? Where's the money going? You know, I, I stopped caring about these individuals and started caring much, much more about what's the policy that they're pushing. Are they actually following through with their policies after they get elected? That's one of the things I liked about Trump is that I, I don't like him because of his personality. I don't like him because I'm not worried about the fact that he cheated on his wife because you could say the same thing about Nikki Haley. I I don't like her because that shows a personality flaw. The fact of the matter is Trump is pushing for the policies that I like. Mm -hmm. Haley's openly talking about policies that I don't like. I don't think it's very conservative. I think it's far more war hawk, neocon. As opposed to truly an America first policy. Look, where this country is our birthright, you know, and we need to do everything we can to help it. And the policies that Trump pushes for, act the bills that he actively tries to pass, even if they're denied, I see what he's doing. I like it. That's why I want to vote for him. Yeah. You know, I don't worry about this. Oh, he got a blowjob in the Oval Office. Oh, he cheated on his wife. Oh, you know, she cheated on her husband. Look, they're all scumbags. Don't worry. Don't fall in love with the politician themselves, the personality themselves. I don't care about the personality. What are they doing? I like that. Keep your North Star, not on the politician. They're all scumbags. Assume that. All of them, yeah. Yeah, just focus on, that's why I would say my my uh, North Star would be individual liberty. But I like that. That's that's a good answer because I I get petty where I focus on, oh, yeah, screw Nikki Haley. But that is a good point. It's like, well, she's not inherently any better or worse than any other politician. That's not what's important. 
So that's you're the more morality police, though, and all and willing to legislate morality and make sure and do what the other side does just to make sure your side and your morals and values get through. And again, you know, it's like, hey, those aren't even actually your 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 values. So, you know, hey, be just come out and be a sleazebag at that point, you know, like just I, like, you know, Trump's again, he says he's Christian, all this dumb stuff and that one weird commercial stuff. But like, you know, he's still openly a sleazebag. Like, you know, he doesn't hide he, from he still says everything, but then he openly tweets like terrible things. <laughs> it's like, OK, well, he owns it. He is who he is. He's, he's not a putting on a character. Yeah. You know, and it's like, OK, I'll, I'll accept that a lot more than that's true. I, I'm a Christian. I'll accept I want genuine, a, like a, a person who's genuine over a person who pretends to be better who i know is exactly fake. like because then you can also like because we're all flawed human beings so it's like at least if i know okay you're i you're it's the devil i know versus the devil i don't but um well to me it's a lot of whether or not they're even listening to me yeah <laughs> you know i have a concern are they are they even acknowledging it democrats yeah. don't even act like my concerns even matter you, you talk to a Democrat politician and you tell them about how your taxes are too high. They're going to look at you like, what? what the hell are you talking about? The climate's being destroyed. <laughs> you know? yeah. And then the migrants are dying at the border. You're worried about your taxes. They're on a whole other planet. They're not even listening to your concerns. Mm -hmm. And ironically, they're like, we'll get into some climate stuff in a minute if you have time. Often they act like they're the morally superior ones. Because, oh, we want to solve all this stuff. But typically, their solutions actually do more harm. Like the push for EV vehicles, the, the push for sustainable energies has people freezing inside of their homes. Not only that, but like you're basically promoting slavery in the Congo now. I tell my kids all the time, but they're like, uh, oh, I don't want to. I say, oh, shut up. If you were raised in the Congo, you'd be out mining cobalt now <laughs> <laughs> how does that go over <laughs> do they do they just shut up and listen or are they like yeah they just take guys they hush up. <laughs> out in the congo kids your age are mining cobalt <laughs> that was always the thing growing up it was uh eat your vegetables or eat all your food they're starving kids in africa and i'm like how does me eating my food have anything to do with whether they get a meal or not <laughs> <laughs> The, the but new once generation. you get to be an adult, it makes sense. Once you get to be an adult and you have kids, you realize you find yourself saying all the same things that your yeah. parents said. It all makes yeah. sense. Just be grateful. <laughs> but yeah. um, anyway, so speaking of uh, cheating horse, this one actually does matter in terms of politics. So Fannie Willis, accused of affair with Trump prosecutor, vowed to not date staff in 2020. Certainly inappropriate. Uh, Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis, who was accused of having a clandestine relationship with a special prosecutor she hired to bring charges against former President President Donald Trump in his Georgia election interference case, promised in a 2020 interview that she would not sleep with her staffers. Um, oh, blah, blah, blah. Um, Willis. Yeah. Long story short, she people think now that she is because she's getting divorced. So they think, let's see, Romans filing accused Wade a private attorney with Atlanta-based Wade and Campbell of using some nearly 654000 in legal fees he was paid by the DA's office to take Willis on la lavish trips. Um, here's another one. Uh, a, bitter a, bitter, a bitter divorce battle could determine the future of Trump's Georgia case. So long story short, what happened was Fannie Willis, the lady who's coming after Trump, um, now they're finding out, okay, 
looks like she had an affair and it's coming out in the they're trying to get the divorce filings released. I think this actually does matter because a it speaks to her. It speaks to her motives and to just her character. And the reason I think this is different than a politician is because um, unlike a politician, a judge is literally the morality police. Like, I think that in this case, this might really screw her over. And I think it should. Like, I think this is not a matter of where the political football is going. I think if this lady is having affairs and she's a judge, I think that that speaks to her moral character. And we shouldn't trust her her rulings on the law and morality when it comes to Trump. I don't know what you think about that, but well, I hope that this is good for Trump. Well, it will be good for Trump because you just basically discredited the prosecutor. And on top of that, it's really not a morality issue. The issue is, is that she committed a crime. Number one, with the money, that's embezzlement. Oh, yeah. yeah that, and like some of them, like lavish trips, funding, there's a whole bunch of stuff with that, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. So that's dirty all over. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that's embezzlement. And also uh, with certain corporations, if you are going to have any kind of uh, uh, personal relationship with any of your staffers, you need to get it approved by the board of directors and everything. Yeah. You know, so I'll let the, the policy of how the DA's office um I'll let their policy on that speak for itself. However, what I will say is when you're talking about the money, you're talking about embezzlement. That's illegal. That's a crime. It's taken very seriously. Some good dick. Three and a quarter, like three quarters of a million dollar dick. <laughs> well, I think it was more lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. You know? He's willing, he's willing to do it. You know? Yeah. Well, either way, so, I, I hope that this absolutely, I'm so over the, you're a, a bigger Trump fan than I am, but I am so over these bullshit law cases. I mean, from the, the Russia, it's just been nonstop. And it's so on its face. All of these attacks are ridiculous. It's so clearly politically motivated. And yet it's still it still somehow goes through and is taken seriously by by the left. The, the, over it. the one about the worth of Mar-a-Lago is absolutely preposterous. So like yeah. literally these these guys who gave Trump the bank loan said, what, we, we did our due diligence. We looked at the property. We gave him the loan. We got paid back. <laughs> We're not complaining. And then they're like, oh, no, Mar-a-Lago is clearly worth like what they say. Like it was like 18 million. million. They said, oh, it's only worth that much. That's not what real estate agents are saying. What the hell? What are you going to yeah. believe the judge over a real estate agent when it comes to the prices of real estate? Have you seen Mar-a-Lago? It's absolutely beautiful. So, like, what they're talking about is absolutely preposterous. And then Trump says not guilty, and then the judge turns around and says, "Oh no, no, no! You know, you're already found guilty. We're just going to find out how guilty you are." What? And here's and this is why I get blackpilled is. If that happened to a Democrat, I would be coming out saying, look, I don't like this person, but this is absolute bullshit because I and I'm not I'm, I'm maybe a dirtbag, but I like consider myself to be somewhat of a man of honor. Nobody on the left will come out and defend Trump over this. And I'm like, how are we in such a place where just because you hate your political rival so much, you're OK with this level of corruption? That's terrifying to me as far as the country. Some will come out and defend Trump and then they get called a right winger. Look at Alan Dershowitz. Yeah. Well, broadly speaking, when I say everyone, it's broadly speaking, there's exceptions, but for the most part, it's lockstep. Yeah, mostly. But that's the uh, the left wing communist mindset. They got the hive mind. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that'll be worse than AI. It's like we already are sheep. Now you just plug in AI to just guide the hive mind with everyone. Yeah, those room. those guys will be the ones first in line to get the electronics installed into their brain to make sure that when they read a headline, they know what to think. <laughs> yeah. And you're joking, but they they will they'll they will, do it. What they'll say is it filters out misinformation, fake AI, AI images. They'll say it gives you only legitimate news sources and people will be like, well, this will save me so much time. I don't want fake news. And then they'll get it. And then it'll just be like Trump, you know, it'll what actually happened was Trump jumped into a river to save a drowning puppy. And the headline will be Trump destroys rare, rare species of <laughs> habitat. And drowns puppy. <laughs> and drowns puppy in process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. he, he raped the puppy. Trump was seen groping puppy. Ella Ellis or whatever, whoever that chick who's accusing him of rape, like comments similar to what happened to me. Like it, it's such a joke. And people, <laughs> that will be the, author the authoritative news source. Hey, Trump grabs puppy by the pussy. <laughs> yeah, I that actually I can absolutely see that being a headline, and I can also see <laughs> even if they put down in the article it was a joke, whatever, or it's not actually serious. There will be a lot of people who read that headline, and Twitter will be a buzz with people going, "Trump, Trump's into bestiality." Trump. <laughs> like, did, you, did you see that joke headline? It had me laughing so hard that when. Uh, Trump raped that girl. He yelled, "This is MAGA country." <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. That's the, oh, people were believing it. They're believing it in the comments. I was like, "Oh my god, ridiculous!" Imagine how stupid you would have to be to think that that was what the '90s that that supposedly happened. <laughs> Back in the nineties, Trump, who was a well-known Democrat back then, who said he would only run, he would run as the Republican because they're the only ones who would be dumb enough to elect him. That that guy was running around saying, "This is MAGA country." <laughs> raping women in the dressing room while doing it. He should have put on his MAGA hat and some white face. <laughs> yeah, it's my I've done a lot of research in psychology, and that's where I want to get my PhD in. I would almost like to study. I, I would like to get these people in a laboratory setting to see, do they actually believe this? Or is this the power of cognitive dissonance and motivated reasoning so high that they've literally, they're literally experiencing delusions. <laughs> like, I want to know, do they actually believe this? Or is this, has Trump derangement syndrome gotten so bad to where people are literally having psychiatric conditions, <laughs> psychosis over Trump, literal psychosis. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I guess it's a case by case basis. Some people are the emotions of trash and Trump with the most convenient talking points. Yep. Um, okay, so we're running. I don't want to keep you crazy long. We've already kept you, uh, I believe, an hour. Um, so we have a couple stories here. What uh, do you have anywhere you need to be? Or you, should we try and pick a couple of these to wrap things up? Well, let's grab a couple to wrap it up. You know, I still got uh, my family I got to address, but I'm not in any. All right, so we'll um, we can talk about Alex Baldwin. Uh, we can talk about climate change and new technology, or we can talk about Trump and his Supreme Court case. Um, I think probably the Trump Supreme Court case. We've talked about Trump a lot. 
Uh, what do you say we talk about climate change a little bit and then Alec ba- finish on Alec Baldwin in our final video? Okay. But what, what was the Trump Supreme Court case? Um, well, I guess I can just, uh, we can hit it just real quick. Two minutes. Um, yeah. So let me, let me pull this up here. Um, so let me exit this out. I had put down here in the notes. Um, I think the ballot blocking is over. It failed. And now the Democrats look like crap. Uh, um, right. So Oregon Supreme Court won't remove Trump from ballot for now. Um, long story short, the the Colorado, he got put back on the ballot, Maine. And then Oregon said no. Uh, what specifically did they say? Um, it would not for now hear a challenge issued by five Oregon voters seeking to bar the former president from ballot access in 2024. Um, there's a, a map. I think it might be this next article. Um, let's see. We'll have to see how it plays out, but this, uh, this is going to go to the Supreme court and soon, um, Trump urges Supreme court to keep this, his name on the ballot warns of bedlam, uh, urge the Supreme court. Yeah. So February 8th, uh, where is it at? Yeah. February 8th. Um, it's going, going to the Supreme court. And this is a little map of uh, states that abandoned from the ballot, Colorado, the case pending in uh, Illinois. Is it Illinois or Illinois? So you live in Illinois, right? Illinois, the S is silent, buddy. Yeah, Illinois. All right. And then what is this? Emmy. Uh, I should know that. That's that's Maine. Maine. And then what's MA? Massachusetts. Maryland. Massachusetts. Yeah. Michigan. Minnesota. Oregon. Uh, yeah. And these gray uh, ones, the challenge failed and Trump's been kept on the ballot. But yeah, I mean these are blue states, so it's not the the end of the world, but it's it's more about the precedent of if that goes through, uh, we're in some serious trouble as far as future elections. But um, yeah, that's what's that's just what's going on with uh, with Trump. His case is going to the Supreme Court. But um, this next topic, uh, do you think that people are waking up to the climate lie? Uh, so Biden's trillion dollar climate agenda is blowing up and John Kerry has a lot to answer for. Um, so no wonder John Kerry is stepping down as climate czar. Joe Biden's trillion dollar green agenda is blowing up and no one is more closely tied to the fast deflating boondoggle than John Kerry. Uh, the push, push for electric vehicles is a bust. Renewable projects like offshore wind farms are being canceled by the boatload. People are tired of being told they can't buy things they want, like gas stoves and incandescent light bulbs. And guess what? Sane people in our country are willing to admit, finally, that the world will run on fossil fuels for the foreseeable future. And this is that last line was really the point because I I brought this up. I I care about the climate, but here's the reality: we need fossil fuels. And this is a perfect example. This next story, um, and then I'll I'll open it up here. So Tesla owners and deep freeze discover the cold hard truth about EVs. Um, so this week's fridge, this was, uh, I believe two weeks ago, this week's frigid winter conditions in North America exposed the shortcomings of certain electric vehicles, particularly Tesla's and the Oak Oak Brook suburb of Chicago, Illinois, where temperatures have routinely dipped way below freezing. I'm sure you can speak to that being in Illinois and manage has been cold. Um, there's been car graveyards, um, I had a picture of some of these car graveyards or a video. Um, it's got an ad that's going to play here real quick. But I I think that people are realizing that as nice as it is to want to want you know renewable energy and all of that stuff, I think that fossil fuels. There's no way around it. We're 
we're going to have fossil fuels for quite a while. Um, yeah, we are. And uh, these other countries know it and these politicians know it. They just want to control. And uh, now in terms of whether or not the people know it, who knows, Alex? You know, sometimes when people convince themselves of something, you really have to slap them so hard with the truth to get them to deprogram off that mindset. Yeah. It's like telling you two plus two is actually five. <laughs> you know, you're going to be like, but I know that it's four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's hard to convince you that it's not. Yeah. Well, hopefully this, I mean, I guess it's, it's going to affect all this climate stuff affects probably like rural people a lot more like the the gas bans and stuff like that i feel like city people and more democrat areas don't feel these climate policies as much but with the electric vehicle thing it's a perfect example of these are not the be all and end all because there's a lot of people that got trapped there and weren't able to charge their vehicles and they're like it, it makes them fearful which is probably good like hey maybe we should stop and think about this for a minute before we make half vehicles on the road in my state electric vehicles uh because this isn't going to be good next winter um but this speaks to my whole thing on on climate change is um like technology will improve which will increase um increase sustainability but you can't just snap your fingers and make it happen overnight but like eventually if you're working towards having sustainable energy we will get there but how you you're not going to get there by completely destroying the economy and destroying people's lives by trying to to shove green energy in now and to get us off fossil fuels when we need those fossil fuels to keep us going to get that innovation. But I had some uh, some examples of some of that new technology. Um, so and I'm I'm hitting these kind of quick because I you know want to wrap this up. But uh, so new solar technology could ditch batteries and gadgets by for good by harvesting ambient room light. Uh, solar cell cells that could be recharged using indoor low light could be used to power devices like TV remotes and computer mice. Um, uh, let's see. The technology was showcased by California based ambient photonics at CES in 2024. Um, so let's see. Um, it's previous cells were only single sided with the rear side providing 50% additional energy on top of the 100% energy of the front facing side. I don't really know how all this works, but basically uh, it's starting small but a battery that can be charged by harvesting ambient moonlight or uh, room light was incredible. And then there was also this. What if you never had to charge your gadgets again? Indoor solar power technology is finally becoming available. Some devices no longer need batteries at all. Um, after decades of trying, consumer electronics companies are rolling out a solar technology that mimics photosynthesis in plants. It lets devices charge indoors and in some cases can eliminate batteries entirely. Um so that's similar to the the light harvesting technology. My reason for bringing those up is not to be like, oh, look at this new technology because I don't know much about it. It's that's incredible. When I saw that, I was like, this is science fiction shit. And it's small right now. Batteries, indoor light. But we have to realize we just had nuclear fission a few months ago for just a few seconds. But it's like technology is moving. We are moving. Wonder what will stop all of this by destroying the economy with green policies. With just, okay, you're not allowed to use fossil fuels, which means that the, the laboratories don't have electricity except for four hours a day, like we're living in Gaza. <laughs> like, this doesn't work. We have to use fossil fuels right now. But you can look at it and say, okay, we're going to be on fossil fuels now. I care about the climate. Let's keep working on this technology. You don't have to be either climate change isn't real, we shouldn't do anything about it, or 
we have to stop because the world's going to end in 10 years. It's like these climate alarmists just frustrate me. And I think people are buying the, or like realizing the lie because I'm like, this is completely unsustainable and we are making progress. I don't know if you agree with that. You brought up the good point of uh, it's hard to wake some people up, but I don't know. Well, I don't, I'm just over the climate alarmists. I'll tell you, it's good to have technological advances. The article you showed me with uh, those items that will recharge batteries and stuff with ambient uh, light and with moonlight, that's a good thing, okay? Mm -hmm. And uh, if you find a way to make our energy more effective, I like that. Um, in terms of uh, fossil fuels, we are going to be reliant on it for now. And if not fossil fuels, then nuclear power. But what we need is a power source that is reliable and efficient. And right now, the best one is uh, combustible fuel, like gasoline, because it doesn't matter how cold it is. <laughs> It'll still yeah. burn, and your car will still start, even in below zero weather. Now, mm -hmm. I don't hate all uh, uh, renewable energy. For instance, in my area, you may find some uh, people who just have a windmill on their property. It's not like those big things that are swinging around killing birds. No, it's just some schmuck and he's got a windmill on there and it's charging up a battery or something. That's a good thing. Yeah, that's fine because we still have a grid. So it's like he's not solely reliant on this windmill, you know? Yeah, you know, and, and even if he was, it's it's his business. You know, he's found a way. I, I don't care. What I care about is that this uh, mass-produced uh, state-sanctioned kind of garbage because this guy just got a little windmill attached to a battery. If everyone wanted to do that and it's effective, that's fine. If people want to buy it, I know you're out in Arizona. If you wanted to buy a couple solar panels to throw on your roof, that works for you. That's totally fine. You know? Mm -hmm. What I don't like is when they turn around and say, oh, now, Alex, we're going to cut off your power and you need to buy solar panels to put it on. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's a whole nother animal. You yeah. know, if, if you uh, live out in the forest and you want to make a little pizza oven and uh, you chop up some wood and they tell you, you're not allowed to do that. You need to heat up your pizza with this electric oven. You know, if you do it with your little wood stove, you're, you're breaking the law. That's not right either. But at the same time, I also understand little uh, electrical advances. That's a great thing. If you can uh, use your power more effectively, that's a great thing. You know, there's a lot open to it. And here in Arizona, they, they have, you'll get a tax break if you use solar panels, but solar panels are huge here. Lots of people use solar panels, put them on their house because they want to, because the technology is getting better. We don't need the government to step in. People, as these technologies improve, will naturally migrate over. Yeah. In and I mean, a logical fashion, it won't just be an abrupt shift overnight. But... I don't know. I've driven uh, um i'm sure you do you drive a truck or no no i drive a. I actually have a hybrid rav4 okay that, uh, i you drive a hybrid see i used to uh i've driven f-150s i've always been an f-150 guy now yeah. i've driven regular f-150s but once you get the f-150 that's like got the eco boost whole mm -hmm. nother end so much more effective use of your gasoline that's a great thing you know, I've driven it to where I've driven an F-150 to where it tells you if it's driving on electricity or gasoline right now. Yeah. It'll switch to gasoline, drive for a while, refill the battery and then start driving. Does it use uh, the regenerative braking to charge? Yeah, I guess. 
Yeah, I'm not really technology now. Here's the next thing. How many uh, poor little Africans had to die in a cobalt mine to make that uh, reality? <laughs> yeah, know? well, that's that's the reality. It's uh, I was watching. It's an so uncomfortable. So, but then again, I hear about the Chinese are making iron batteries, batteries that can hold the charge off iron. It doesn't work all that well, but it's not cobalt. Yeah. You know, you're not you're not enslaving people to get a hold of iron. So the technology is moving forward, and I think it's a great thing. I just would think that a lot more uh, people should open up their eyes to the victims of these new industries that are being funded and pushed on us by our government. Well, I have a solution to that that also helps with energy independence. We have railed on this show nonstop. We did, right now, we're, we're putting another $250 million into Africa to try to compete with China. We're trying to win Saudi Arabia's favor because we're slaves to these countries for their energy, their slave labor. When we have not only here in America, but to our south in Latin America, the biggest reserves of oil and rare earth minerals in the world, and we have these countries that are destitute down there, why are we, why are we not investing in those countries, building, sending companies down there, working with those governments, and getting away from China and the Middle East and Africa and the slave labor? We have a whole industry that could be created here, right in our backyard, not just in America, but in Latin America, but we're not. Yeah, like Guyana. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, all the oil that they found down there, they have the potential of being the Dubai of South America. Yeah. And, of course, Venezuela decided at this point, well, time to invade Guyana. We're time to for us to conquer them. Yeah. <laughs> Let's we give them a little military aid. We And the thing is, too, this also helps with the immigration use, problem. That would be that would be a good use of military aid, actually, in my opinion. Yeah. And think about it. We, we go down there. There's these companies go down there. We make a deal with the government. They're making some money. They have we have military alliances, whatever. Then these companies create a bunch of good paying jobs, raises the quality of life of these places. Now we don't have all these people fleeing to America. You you also help some of that the, those regions stability and wealth, which helps our. It's it's like it has so many benefits. I don't know why we're not even looking at doing that. Um, I mean, from a more perspective, just from slave labor. <laughs> what? I guess it just doesn't give the American people enough problems if you do it that way, because I swear, it seems yeah. sometimes the federal government, all it's interested in doing is adding to our list of problems. Yep, I agree. But um, we're going to cut it there and go to our final video, because I see on the Zoom, I don't want to have to start a new Zoom meeting. We have three minutes left. Um, so we don't have a we're we retired all of our final final video bumpers. We're just going to make one final video bumper. But um let me pull this up here and then I'll uh, show you. There's nothing uh, special about this video. It's just something I found to be entertaining. Um, let me see. Can you can you see this? Yes. Oh, sorry. Can you see this? Yes. Okay. Awesome. So, uh, Zach, I guess you can see on the screen there. Oh no. <laughs> this is nothing but just a funny oh. video. Also, oh. as a fat person, know your limits, fat people. I would not be caught dead in this position. You see what's coming. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's terrible, but I just thought I, that was so funny. I had to share it. It's uh, You could tell right when she, she realized, uh-oh, I'm stuck, and then just held on for a little bit longer, and then, punk. <laughs> oh man you know she broke something too oh yeah yeah well now i feel bad laughing <laughs> <laughs> all 
I'm a I'm a person of weight, so I can I can make fun of fat people. <laughs> I'm with you, buddy. I got no room to make fun of any fat people without laughing at myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, anyway, that uh, that is our show, everybody. We didn't get to all of our notes, but that just means we'll have an even better show tomorrow. Um, I appreciate you being with us, Zach, and uh, obviously appreciate you you being with us, John. Uh, you got anything before we we get out of here, Broski? No, oh, no, good, good episode, good, good having John on. So yeah, yeah, we appreciate having you on, man. Uh, you got? Is there anything you need to plug? Anything you you want people to follow your your Twitter? Anything? Ah, you know what I should have done is I should have pulled out some of those paintings I found that I uh, painted in prison. I could have used yeah. a couple of those. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you, we'll have you on. Uh... I wouldn't have anything to say, though. All I could do is just show those paintings. Well, let's, they uh, are awesome. <laughs> let's have you on to to talk about, you know, other stuff and also the rest of your your story. And uh, that'll be a good time to we can also show your paintings. Because for people who don't know, John does. He's a very good, very good artist. And uh I'm okay. <laughs> he's definitely improved a lot since he, he had four years to work on it. Um, and I've, yeah, he's, you've made some money, money selling those people, uh, people like him, and it's for a good cause. So yeah, we'll, we'll get those, but, uh, we got less than a minute here. So, um, I appreciate you being on Joe, uh, John, as far as the rest of you guys, as always keep a book in your nightstand, read it before you go to bed. That way you're smarter tomorrow than you were today. We got to We got the best.